0: Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can follow us on Facebook or visit our website at Beatitudeschurch.org. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society. Hallowed be your name. Two weeks ago, Pastor Tony introduced us to the origin story of the Lord's Prayer and how some biblical scholars theorize that Jesus never actually spoke the prayer in its entirety, but that it was more likely that each of these lines existed independently and over time were brought together to become the prayer that we know today. If so, where did these lines come from? As you listen to today's verses from the proverbial sayings found in the Bible's wisdom literature, see if you don't recognize the framework for which we understand the Lord's Prayer today. Perhaps by labeling or naming it as the Lord's Prayer, we are the ones assigning it meaning and worth as hallowed or holy. Proverbs 37 to 9. Two things I ask of you, Lord, Do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, Who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God.
1: Remember the seventh day to keep it holy. Growing up, I took that verse very literally. Not only was I raised that way, but I raised my children to take that commandment, the fourth commandment, remember the seventh day to keep it holy, very literal. I remember as a child that meant that from Friday night sundown to Saturday night sundown, we kept that day special. As a child, on Friday nights, we had a special meal. And to this day, when I think about it, I have this visceral, this emotional response within me. Friday nights was waffles. Every Friday night, waffles, and that made it special. And on Saturday mornings, or the Sabbath, we had a special cereal that we could eat before we went to church. Some of you might even recall the name of it. It was called Life. That was the most sugary cereal we were allowed to have all week, I never understood it growing up why my parents would pump us up with sugar before they sent us to church. But it made that day special. We had special clothes that we would wear to church, our Sabbath dress. We had special toys that we could play with on Sabbath. All again, those memories were established in my mind because it demarcated that day as unique. And the reason it was unique it was because of that last word in that first line of the fourth commandment remember the seventh day to keep it holy. The word in both the Hebrew and the Greek has this connotation if something is holy, that it is set apart that it is not common, it is unique, it is different. It belongs to something that is beyond the human realm. There were objects in the ancient Hebrew religion that could be set aside for holy use. They were dedicated. They were set apart. And so it was very easy for these ancients to take this idea of holy and not only see it as a particular time in space, the Sabbath, but they could also see this day this, as holy more than just a day. In fact, it was the essence of God himself. God was seen as being Holy. This becomes quite obvious when you go into the book of Exodus. And there, Moses encounters a burning bush. And this bush, the fable tells us, speaks to Moses, and it is in the voice of the divine God. And the first thing it tells him is, Moses, take off your sandals, for the ground that you are standing on is holy it is different than the other land that is around us this is sacred ground made holy by my very presence so take off your shoes moses and in this dialogue that takes place between moses and god moses realizes something that not only is god holy But God's name is holy. And if it is because of that reason, that the Israelis today, the Jews today, will not speak that name. Instead, they use words such as Adonai, which means my Lord. They use the word Elohim, which means God they even used the term hashem which simply means in hebrew the name because the name itself was seen as being holy you could not as separate the essence of god from god's name so again that is such a rich foundation of the Israelite religion that continues on even today for modern Jews. There is this holiness that surrounds God and God's name. When we look at the Lord's Prayer, this sets us up to understand those first two lines as actually being very radical we are so familiar with the Lord's Prayer that we just let those words rattle off. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, and off we go. But as Janelle reminded us, there seems to be strong evidence that Jesus never spoke in its entirety the Lord's Prayer. What Jesus did do, more than likely, is pray each of those individual lines as a prayer of itself. What would often happen is you would speak a formal prayer, and at the very end, you could add on your own. But what you added on was very short. And so, scholars estimate that what probably happened was each of these lines existed independently and that a later date they brought it together and compiled it into what we call the lord's prayer but when they did this they did something that is quite remarkable and would have been very very troubling to the jews around them as christians Look again at the first line, Father. When we take the prayer as it's found in Matthew, and it's different than the prayer in Luke, when we bring them together, we realize that more than likely there was an original version behind those two. And in the original version, the line probably at the very beginning was simply Father. And there seems to be that Jesus' followers would remember that at some point in Jesus' life here on this earth, that he spoke of God as Father, that Jesus was comfortable using that. In the Aramaic, which is the common language that Jesus and his friends would have spoken, the word meant Abba. And again, there's speculation that it is a word that we would be using today of your father, dad, daddy. It was a common word, a word that would have been heard in the majority of households, Abba. And that seems to be evidence that Jesus referred to God as Abba. Now, look at the second line. May your name be holy. Well, what is the name of God that is holy? It is the unspeakable. It is that which is not to be spoken. For to speak it would actually go against and profane God himself. So what happened is they brought these two lines together and all of a sudden we see something that would have been radical for them to see father your name is holy what name father by creating this prayer they were modifying the essence of what was considered to be holy. The holy is now no longer that which cannot be spoken. The holy is that which is in the common day life. One individual, in capturing the essence of this, says the following, this unexpected combination of these two lines surprised people into rethinking what was and was not holy. As a prayer, it called upon people to put God in reverence in a much broader perspective. It expanded people's vision of what was important and holy. You see, up to that point, God was seen as being distinct and and set apart from the majority of common-day life. Where did God dwell? God had his own house. Originally, it was called the tabernacle. That where God dwells, it was a tent. Then they decided that God would no longer be this nomadic God that traveled from here to there, and instead, God would have a permanent home, And Solomon builds the first temple, and that is where God dwells. But God doesn't dwell just in a temple. He dwells in a special place in the temple. It's called the Most Holy. And only once a year, a priest was allowed to enter into that space, and it was considered to be so holy that they would tie a rope around the priest's ankle. The priest would have bells at the bottom of their robe. And as long as those in the holy place could hear those bells, they knew everything was okay. But if for some reason the priest offended God and was struck down, they had, a way, had to have, they had to have a way of getting him out. And that's where the rope came in. God was seen as being distinct from the majority of the world. And by praying this prayer, these early Christians took this idea of God as being distinct and different from us and just blew it out of the water. And now God was seen as being holy, yes, but holy in a larger sense, rather than just being confined. Today, we still value sacred places. The Mormons have their temples, but they have the main temple in Utah. The other Christians, we have our places of worship and we still use the name sanctuary to refer to them as a place where God dwells. And it is in these places, not only places of worship, but places that people find out in nature. People have set apart certain places in their home to be sacred spaces. It is in these places that people encounter something that is beyond themselves, something that pulls them beyond being just human. It allows for the mystery of life to be felt in a, in a deeper way. Even this space, when it was originally created, was designed to continually take our eyes upward. Look at the architect around you. Look at how everything points upward. All the walls, the lines are very, very straight, all pointing upward. The roof goes upward. The window goes upward. Everything is to to draw our attention to the vertical, that which is beyond us. Even the pews are very much in that same straight line. But here's the temptation the temptation is to forget the first two lines of the Lord's Prayer Father, may that name be holy. Not the unspeakable name, but the name that is a part of common life. And what we forget sometimes is that in this prayer we are taught that the sacred and the secular are so intertwined together that at times we cannot separate the two that God is more than just limited to one place. The early Christians believed that God was a vast part of all different parts of life. And so the sacred is much more than that. So when we remodeled the inside of our worship center. We tried to add that element back in. We left the vertical. We didn't want to take that away because it's a vital part of calling us to something beyond ourselves. But we wanted to add a small element, a small element that would remind us that the sacred is more than just up there that the sacred is amongst us. And one of the greatest ways to do that is circles. That's why we have these lights. These lights are to remind us that God isn't just there, that God is among us. Do you notice what they do? They bring everything back down. That's why this platform, when it was built, that's why it's in the form of a circle. That's why we now have chairs in the middle to create more this sense of a circle. So why we acknowledge that there is always supposed to be something drawing us beyond ourselves, that the sacred is also among us. And here's what's amazing is that we may be experiencing the sacred in our day-to-day lives, and we're not even aware of it. There was a time in my life where I really emphasized what I would call God moments, those moments that I could not explain. And I realized by doing that, what I was doing is I was taking God out of just one place, but I was like I was welcoming out into the larger world but only where I could find God. And then I realized, as these first two lines in the Lord's Prayer teach us, is that the sacred is everywhere, even when I am not aware of it. It's in every person. It's in every relationship. It's in every experience that we have. Do you understand how radical the Lord's Prayer is? That they were able to take this idea of God and just open it up. And that's now our privilege to be able to realize that the sacred is more than perhaps we realized it was. Now again, please understand, this doesn't mean that we stop gathering in sacred places. There is a need within humanity to be intentional. To have those moments where you truly focus in your mind on something beyond yourself. And live your life aware that it's all around you.
0: Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can help us to continue this program by making your donations at BeatitudesChurch.org backslash online-giving Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society.